Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. Um, I'm going to invite all of you now this morning to take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 6. Would you do that with me? As you're turning, I just want to say we're thrilled you're here. You could be doing a number of things on this fine Sunday morning, and at 10.15 this Sunday morning, you have obeyed God's call to come and worship here. So thank you for participating with us in worship this morning. I want to thank Steve and the, those guiding and, and song this morning for uh, the songs that they sang. Uh, what an encouragement it was to my heart, and it is to my heart. But if you are visiting with us this morning, Welcome. Uh, If I didn't get to welcome you in the foyer or as you came in, we just want to say how thrilled we are that you're here. If you're a regular attender, we're thrilled you're here. If you're logging in or or tuning in or logging on, however you're uh, joining us, thank you for for participating in worship with us this morning. Just a quick word on midweek ministry this week. I know Jim covered this, but this week we are going to open back up with our teen support groups So from 6 to 7 in the teen room, teens come. We're going to share of God's word. We're going to break into support prayer groups uh, from 6 to 7 o'clock. So I hope that you as teens can find time in the middle of your week to come together with other teens, other adults who will be mentoring you through the fall and into the spring just to pray and seek God's face for for our stability uh, during this time of our lives. Also, an adult study starts this week, the open adult study, so it'd be great if you felt compelled to come join in that. Uh, Through this time, we're kind of taking a couple of our studies and and bringing them together, kind of a new norm we have right now. So a couple of our adult studies will be joining, some of the ones we would normally do on a Sunday morning, some of the ones we do on a Wednesday night. They're kind of joining up to this open uh, Bible study group from 6 to 7 o'clock on Wednesday nights. Then children's ministry will start back up again in two weeks, so we're looking forward to that. If you're new with us or have been gone for some time, we're on this journey following after the exhortation of Paul or the author of Hebrews. Uh, could be the same person, Paul or the author. Uh, we know it's the divine author. The Holy Spirit guides us in these words. Through, when our faith is tested, Hebrews 11, Hebrews 12 starts off with this. Look to Jesus. Fix your eyes on the north star of your journey. Pursue Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus and never take your eyes off Jesus. So that's been our study the last two months as we continue on with this study. We've taken some snapshots of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As you go through the scriptures, you find beautiful descriptions of Jesus. Old Testament to New Testament. The whole purpose of this Bible is I had a great conversation with a young brother in Christ this week. Um, and we were talking about the story of the Bible. And my heart just wanted to, it was just leaping inside of me thinking that the story of this Bible is a beautiful Savior from start to finish. That God has blessed us with the privilege of relationship with Him. Mending this broken relationship with Him and the story of our Bibles is Jesus is the one that has done this for us. So we're taking snapshots snapshots of this Savior, Jesus Christ. Today, as you can see on the the screen in front of you, this snapshot of Jesus Christ, the bread of life. So this key idea, 
this key snapshot for the day is as our faith is tested, we must fix our eyes on the bread of life. All right. So let's just talk about bread for a minute. Often used as a metonym in Scripture to just talk of food, generally of food. When I think about this, and, and by the way, talking of food on a Sunday mid-morning is so dangerous. <laughs> uh, I can't tell you how many countless Sunday morning services where the preacher just waxed eloquent and I could not keep my belly quiet growling for like an hour straight. So if that happens today, that's okay. We will just growl in unison this morning. All right. It's okay. Nonetheless, we're going to take this snapshot as we talk of bread, a great chance that a vast majority of us have already enjoyed some form of this this morning in your breakfast. If not, by the end of this day, you most likely, depending on the diet you're on or the gluten you might or might not consume, some point during your day, you will probably consume some form of this. Bread in general assorted form, but also probably as I walked into the foyer this morning, my soul again leaped for joy when I saw this. <laughs> Okay, bread comes in different forms, even you could loosely consider pastries and God's manna from heaven donuts as part of this, amen Diane? Okay, last night I was preparing the sermon and and I did find myself um, thinking about heaven. And I was about to go to, to bed and I was just kind of going through my mind of the sermon and thinking of heaven and meditating, praying. And I may or may not have prayed this prayer, God, help there to be donuts in heaven. (laughs) Because all these times that I have to say no to donuts, man, maybe in heaven there will be these wonderful creations. But whatever the case, maybe you participated in some form of this bread. It comes in all kinds of different forms. But as I was thinking about this this week, I cannot think in my life of a single person that I've ever come into contact with that has never tasted of bread. Think about that. I know there's different allergies and different diets, but I have not come in contact with one person my entire life that has not at some point been satisfied with bread. Not a single person who has ever existed has been exempt from the necessary foods that we eat, and one of the primary foods that we eat is Bread. This staple is bread. So it's no wonder that in John 6, the passage we're looking at today, as Jesus, all the way through the book of John, is, is, is sort of designating these people that reject Him and that will receive Him. And constantly what He's doing is He's taking an Old Testament concept. We find this, I love how many connections there are to the book of Exodus, Genesis, Exodus, all the way through the Torah. But Jesus Christ tagging into what was said to Moses as this burning bush. Who should I say sent me, Moses says. And what does God through, the Holy, uh, through, through this bush say? Tell them I am sent you. Okay, this is exactly what Jesus is reporting in John. Seven times he connects this concept of I am with a dynamic metaphor. This is the first of those seven. I am 
the bread of life. Last week, we looked at the second, so we kind of went out of order a little bit, where he says, I am the light of the world. Today, we'll look at I am the bread of life. John 6, verse 35, would you look with me at John 6, 35? It's on the screen or your handout. He says this, Jesus said, I am, I am the bread of life. Skip with me down to verse 51. Living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forevermore. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh, Jesus Christ says. Right, so there's a lot of preparation we need to take before we just jump into this passage. Um, In my mind, I think... What solicited this comment from the Lord? Just like last week, we're talking about the Feast of the Tabernacles, the booths. In Jerusalem, Jesus stands up on the climax of the day of, ta- uh, of the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. These lamps being lit, these people partying hardy with these candles in their hand, rejoicing in God Almighty. And Jesus stands up and says, I am the light of the world. There's a much different setting to this passage in John 6 today. Not in Jerusalem with hordes of people that would come to Jerusalem to worship. He is now in John chapter 6 in a vastly more rural area of the country. We're talking about around the Sea of Galilee. That is where Jesus is in John chapter 6. If you think about the last 24 hours in the life of Jesus, it's phenomenal. Jesus teaching and preaching these people. And we have... Uh, all the way through, um, several times through the Gospels, we have five, th- this story written. 5,000 men were fed, and that doesn't even count for the women and children. So we're talking about anywhere from five to 20,000 people potentially. Okay, we're t- how many of you have been to the Sea of Galilee? Anyone here? All right, really a neat experience. But if you're thinking with me, this is not like a thriving metropolis. <laughs> There's a township here and a township there and a township here. Towns all around the Sea of Galilee. We're talking about fifteen to 20,000 people gathering to listen to Jesus Christ. This is like um, the main attraction in the country right now, this whole county, in the Galilean community. Jesus is there. These people were so interested in hearing Jesus Christ. That they abandon their normal needs. What I'm talking about, normal needs, okay? This is so counterculture to where we live. Today, if we get hungry, all right, now we're already planning where we're going to go get food today. (laughs) Whether you have it in the crock pot at home or you're going to stop on the way home to grab anywhere. I mean, hundreds of options here in Redding, California to eat lunch. You maybe you haven't even decided yet, but you're thinking about it. That was not this case. At, at times, it would take almost a full day to prepare a meal for the evening. And normally, these people did not carry with them their food. As you can see, 5,000 people were the norm. One boy was the abnorm. This boy who had five loaves and two fishes. You remember the story? I'm going to go through all of it. We touched on it a couple weeks ago. Where Jesus, uh, the disciples, Andrew particularly, brought... This, this meal to Jesus, and they were just astounded as Jesus worked the miracle of an only a miracle that Almighty God could create. Produced 
baskets and baskets and baskets of food from this one source, from this one solitary source of food. All of this bread was given. All of this food was produced to the point where there were how many basket loads left over? to the tribes of Judah, uh, of Israel. Constantly we're thinking back to the Old, Step, uh, Old, Old Testament, and in this story there are very intentionally 12 basketfuls left over. All right, where we're reading in John 6, where Jesus says, I am the bread of life, this is less than 24 hours from that event. And this evening now Jesus dismisses all of these multitudes. And then what does Jesus, he tries to dismiss them. Then what does Jesus do? He sends his disciples in the middle of Galilee, these disciples who are in cloud nine because they just saw an amazing miracle from God Almighty in the form of human, Jesus. We, we saw him do this stuff. These guys are getting in this boat, not abnormal. They didn't see it clearly, but Jesus, as he goes up on the hill to pray, he sees it clearly coming. He sees his disciples out on the water struggling. And remember, as we talked a couple weeks ago, Jesus walks out on the water, rescues Peter, calms the storm, enters the boat, and immediately they're at the shore. You remember this story? Okay, this is all 24 hours from John 6. This is a busy 24 hours for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, there's other aspects to the story, but when Jesus comes to the shoreline, he then is interrogated. <laughs> He's confronted in a, in a curious way from these multitudes. Not all of them went home. Why? Man, very practically, their bellies were full. <laughs> I mean, they had just consumed all of this food. Not a single person there was lacking in the hunger department. Not a single one of them. All of them had eaten. We're talking about 15,000, 20,000 potentially. At least we know it was five, and you can just kind of add up from there. All of them had participated in this bread, these loaves, and these fishes. And they're talking in this camp, like this immediate camp sets up. We've got to find this Jesus again. Well, the next day they found Jesus on the shoreline. I'm going to tell you, I, this was an exciting time for Jesus. This was an exciting time for these people. Okay, any good Jewish person, worshiper of God, even if you understood the stories of the Torah as a young kid, you know the story of what happened in the wilderness. What did Yahweh provide every single day in the wilderness? Manna from heaven. These people surrounding Jesus are like, do it again. <laughs> and, and honestly, as you go through the text, it's almost like they're trying to bait him, saying, I bet you can't do that again. Why? Because, I mean, this is natural to the way we think. We, I'll be honest with you, if I was in that crowd, I would be the first one on that shore waiting for Jesus to come back. I would want to see that happen again. Just like all these other crowds, they want to see it happen again. They want to see, I mean, think about that life. How cool would that life be? Jesus coming to set up his kingdom, but in the meantime, what kind of a cool life would that be? To sit and hear Jesus teach all day, and at the end of the day, potluck. Every single day. Over and over and over again. That's what they're starting to think. 
Okay, that is the setting of this chapter. So when we go to this chapter, a lot of times I don't, I don't really like to read larger portions of Scripture. Uh, well, we're just not engaged at the Scriptures. I want us to read it as a story. And then we're going to look at two primary themes that come from this story. Um, I, to be honest with you, I'm not even going to make it all the way through this story. This is a long text of Scripture. Uh, my son David yesterday, we were sitting there on the couch, and he got up, and I was doing some study work, and he's like, where should I read my Bible today? I said, read John 6. And he looked at it, and he's like, Dad, this is long. Yep, it's long. It's good. John chapter 6, I'm going to start in verse 25. I'm going to encourage you, you can listen, or you could follow in your handout, in your Bible, your device, But let's just put ourselves in the sandals of these people on the shores, listening to Jesus Christ um, talk of this bread. As we go through this text, please understand, or, or please acknowledge and identify how many times bread is talked about in this section. Along with that, would you look very clearly at other themes? Try to identify themes in this passage. If you want to know two of them to look at, which we'll be talking about in a little bit, Look at the word eternal or life. See how many times that shows up in the text. Another one, look how many times God the Father is talked about in this passage. All right, let's read. Starting in verse 25. When they, that's the crowd that had been fed the day before, found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, You are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. (laughs) Do not work uh, for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He has sent. So they said to Him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? All right, time out. It's right there. You see what they're trying to do? I bet you can't do that again. I bet you can't create food for all of us right now. And here it is. Look at verse 31. You can tell they're trying to bait him on this a little bit. Verse 31. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it was written. It is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. It's almost like they're saying our fathers got it from Moses. I bet you can't do that. Come on, show us. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Wow. Verse 33. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Verse 34. They said to him, Sir, give us uh, this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Verse 36, But I said to you that you have seen me and yet 
do not believe. Verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Verse 38, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Verse 40, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. A quick time out. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ in one verse. This is the purpose of Christ's coming. Verse 41, so the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, isn't this Jesus? He's the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we actually know. (laughs) How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. Okay, quick time out. Remember back to the wilderness setting. What put these people 40 years in the wilderness? It had to do with a certain word. It's called grumbling. Jesus is pointing it out right away with these people. Okay, if you're so keen on what happened with Moses and the manna, how about this word, grumble? Verse 44, no one, here's what what Jesus says, and we need to mark this. This This is contrary to our, we just prayed a minute ago, our concept of justice and God's complete justice in all his dealings with mankind. Here it is, verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Verse 45, it is written in the prophets and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Verse 47, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes am the bread of life. Verse 49. We'll read three more verses. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and guess what? They died. (laughs) This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forevermore or forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my body, is my flesh. Okay, you read, and I'm going to stop there. In your homework this week, you can continue on this story from all the way to the end of the chapter. I'm going to stop in this segment, and we're going to make some very clear comments on themes that we find in this text. Uh, First one is this. I mean, this is such a rich passage. We could look at any number of these things. But I want to dial in on two primary ones. Here it is. First one, as the bread of life, Jesus provides eternal sustenance. Okay, this is like the primary point of this passage, right? Jesus provides, and let's highlight, circle, underline this word, eternal sustenance. Jesus provides eternal nourishment, eternal satisfaction. Clearly, what is happening in this passage is that Jesus is redirecting their thinking. 
All right? He is redirecting their thinking from the immediate, from the temporary. This temporary fulfilling. You fulfilled us yesterday with food in our bellies, but we're already hungry again. He's redirecting their thinking from the temporary fulfillment to eternal satisfaction. There's a bigger story going on here, multitudes. Naturally, these multitudes are fixated on physical, the physical food. Many times to prepare a meal, like I said a minute ago, it would take many hours of your day. Now, these people are following hard after Jesus. We want to be filled. We want to eat more. Jesus is redirecting their focus from the immediate, the physical, to the eternal and the spiritual. Let's just notice the theme of eternal life scattered through this entire passage. I put these on your handout. I'm I'm not going to spend a lot of time today talking through each of these. It's very clear, this theme through this text. I mean, uh, I think on the back of your handout, I actually, we can't quite see it as well, but it wasn't in in green. (laughs) So you can see how many times life or eternal is mentioned. You can circle these. Let's just notice this theme of eternal life scattered throughout the entire passage. He says this, this verse 27, food that endures to eternal life. This is what he's talking about. Verse 33, the bread of God gives life to the world. He's redirecting them from a temporary fulfillment to an internal satisfaction in Jesus. Verse 35, directly, he says, I am the bread me shall not hunger. This is not bread that fulfills you one day at a time and leaves your stomach empty the next day. No, this is the eternal bread that will satisfy you into eternity. All right? He enters now into a discussion about how is this going to happen. In their minds, they're trying to put pieces of the puzzle together. What are you talking about? Just like Nicodemus in John 3, trying to figure out this born-again thing. And they're trying to figure out here, what are you Flesh, actually, as you go through this text, they It's right there in the text. They're wondering, we're really going to eat this guy? And he's constantly trying to say, no, 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 no. There's a bigger picture here. It's a spiritual picture of what's happening to your soul. He talks about the resurrection. He's starting to put it together. In verse 39, he says, I will raise it up the last day. All that the Father gives me, I will raise it up at the last day. He will face physical death. And here's the point. Even though you will face physical death because you have tasted of eternal bread of life, you will never experience spiritual separation from God. In fact, you will be resurrected physically on the last day. We have to catch this. This spiritual connection now we have with God through Jesus, the fact that we will physically be with him in the future. It's a bodily resurrection on the last day for all eternity. I mean, again, and I'm sorry, I'm flying through these, so you might have some homework this week. But let's look at the eternal life, the resurrection theme in verse 40. Everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have what kind of life? Eternal life. And I will raise Him up the last day. Okay, we're still uh, potentially years away 
very possibly uh, a year, year and a half, maybe less in Jesus' ministry from Jesus actually raising from the dead. And right here to these multitudes, he's bringing into them a concept that they've thought through in some part in the Old Testament. But now he's saying, I will raise him from the dead who participates in this bread. Verse 41, he states it again. I will raise him up on the last day. Verse 47, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes, I love this, whoever believes has eternal life. Verse 48, I am the bread of life. You're like, well, that that doesn't really prove your point. But if you focus in on that genitive, that of life, it definitely proves the point. It is the bread of life. Moving on to verses 49 and 50 in this metaphor, or this example he was given in the Old Testament. They brought this up. And Jesus now responds to it. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes so that one may eat it and not die. Verse 51. I am the living bread. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. Verse 54. Eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Verse 57, whoever feeds will live because of me. Verse 58, whoever feeds on the bread will live forevermore. Okay, you cannot deny that this is the clear point here of what Jesus is saying. Over 15 times in this passage, he references eternal life. Life beyond the here and now. Life beyond the simple physical um, satisfaction of bread. He's taking them and he's redirecting their focus. Actually, he's redirecting it more from here to here. Stop thinking purely physical. Start thinking there's something happening in your heart. I am the bread of life. For a physical craving, Jesus provides eternal life for the spiritually depraved. Okay, what's a simple takeaway? We're not going to complicate this today. What's the simple takeaway? Brothers and sisters, friends, in this life filled with spiritual starving, think about this. Spiritually starving individuals who are freaked out by the thought of death. Again, turn on the news for five minutes and you're going to get filled and inundated with probably two or three um, death rates. Deaths from fires. Uh, uh, Any number add into the nightly news, but certainly you're going to get like the 200,000 COVID death rate right now. That's what they're saying. Projected to be 20 million in two months. Just joking. Sorry. No, it's not something probably to joke about, but at any rate, we're constantly the point. We're constantly thinking in our world that is consumed with this fear of death. What are we called to do? Direct our thoughts to the giver of life, the one that can provide for us the bread of life in Christ, we have the satisfying bread of eternal life. And that's exactly what Jesus was saying in this passage. Stop thinking about your bellies. Start thinking about eternity. All right, that's one of the themes in this passage. Very clear. 
redirecting their thoughts from the temporary to the eternal. Here's another one that we cannot miss in this passage. We really need to uh, walk through this. As the bread of life, Jesus fulfills God the Father's gracious plan for provision. What am I talking about? Well, no doubt this passage is about Jesus, okay? It's, it's talking about the life of Jesus. But very clearly in this passage, Jesus references God the Father. In fact, 12 plus times he references the work of God. In this short passage, he's constantly getting us to think about the fact that this is much much more than Jesus feeding 5,000 people, walking on the water. This is God the Father's plan. That's what he's talking about here. When, when Jesus stands up and he says, I am the bread of life, very quickly he works into this. And this is more than just my plan. It is God the Father's plan. Okay, think about this. This Father is faithful to provide for his own. All right, any kind of designation of a good Father would be a Father that would provide for his kids. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? This is not very complicated. A good father will bring home food to put on the table. Do you understand? Um, obviously, there's certain situations in life where that will not happen. But generally speaking, a good father is one who works and provides sustenance for the kids. And I see that theme walking right through this passage. God the Father has provided you with bread. God the Father is good and gracious, and He is providing for His kids. God the Father has drawn you to His table, and now He is feeding you. This is not, and I want to get this in our minds, this is not some haphazard, random, casual chance situation. This is a very intentional act of provision from a good and gracious Father. Eternal life is very intentional from God the Father. Okay, prove it. Well, good. I'm I'm glad you asked. Because let's just go to a couple verses. This intentional plan of God Almighty. Look in verse 27. On Him, this is Jesus, God has put His seal. This is not just the Jesus plan. This is so much bigger This is a Trinitarian plan of redemption for God's people. And Jesus says, on this, God has put his seal. Look at verse 29. uh, 29. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. So whatever temptation you get to think that this belief is all about you, Jesus is saying, stop it. This is the work of God in your life. Verse 32. My Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Okay, let's keep moving on. Verse 33, the bread of God is he who comes. Verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me. Wow! This is very intentional. This is a definite action from a sovereign God. Not wishful thinking on the part of a passive deity hoping and hopefully it will all turn out okay for my creations. This is an almighty God preparing a table for His children. Providing life. Continue on, verse 38. For I have come to do the will of Him who sent me. 
Verse 39, and this is the will of him who sent me. Verse 40, for this is the will of my Father. Okay, are you getting in your mind what Jesus is doing here? He's saying this is so much bigger than the here and now. This is the work of an almighty God who's been working all the way through creation to this very point by the Sea of Galilee right now where you're listening to me talk about the bread of life. That's what's happening here. Verse 40, verse 44. No one can come to the Father unless the Father who sent me draws him. Again, this is an intentional action from a sovereign God, not wishful thinking from a passive deity. Hoping things will just turn out okay in my creation. Verse 46. He who is from God, he has seen the Father. Verse 57, I think summarizes it so well. And this, and the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. Okay, what's the simple point? I mean, it's undeniable that this is a very clear theme that Jesus wants us to recognize from this passage. Okay? We're talking about uh, over a dozen times he brings Father into the scenario. He's not tippy-toeing around this point. Okay? Here's the point. A good father is involved here. A good father has provided food for his family. God the Father has provided eternal sustenance for his own family. A side note, if you travel down to verse 63, you can kind of circle that in your Bibles. 63 tells us a little bit more about how this is happening. It says this, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. I can't say it more clearly. It is the Spirit of God that is drawing us into relationship with him. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we are born into this world as absolute sinners, uh, as enemies of a holy God. It is not in and of our own recognition that we can somehow work our way to this God or do enough that he would be like, yeah, I really want that person. It is only of his mercy and grace that he draws us to himself through his Holy Spirit. And that is the words of Scripture. Through the Spirit, God the Father has drawn His people, His own, to the table, even when they had no desire to come. God the Father has given His own an appetite to eat. Catch this. On our own, because of our sin, we did not have appetite for the Savior. God the Father has given His own an appetite to eat, even when they were deceived by sinful cravings. God the Father has satisfied His own with eternal bread even when they did not deserve it in the least. Clearly, this is not a hopeful God wishing His creations will respond to this nefarious offer, this up-in-the-air offer. This is a sovereign God, creator and sustainer of all life, drawing His own to feed on the eternal bread of life, Jesus Christ. This is a loving Father who in the... Let's let's bring this home right here. This is a... ...in right now. Has sovereignly brought you to hear the word of God preached today. Here. Do you understand that? You're not here by mistake. God worked all of this in your life, drawing you to hear the word of God today. Oh, friend, if you have not fed of the bread of life, 
Will you believe today? Brother and sister, if you have, if you are a believer, if you've come to Jesus in faith, if you have forgotten how special this bread of life is, will you find a fresh appreciation for the only one who can satisfy you today? I'm going to tell you, so often we are distracted from the main course. How, how many of you have gone to one of these, and I don't want to run with this metaphor too much, but you've gone to eat breakfast or, or lunch somewhere. These, these, uh, I, I love Mexican food, but I go eat some of these places and I have chips and salsa, and I just consume this chips and salsa to the point my main course comes, and it's like, oh, I'm not so hungry anymore. That's what the world is doing for us, distracting us from the main course, Jesus Christ, the bread of life. Brothers and sisters in Christ, if you have come to Jesus in faith, this Jesus su- supplies satisfaction for eternity, but this is the beauty of the whole story. The beauty of the whole story is we so enjoyed that meal that we want to taste more of it and more of it and more of it each and every day of our entire lives. So what? We don't want to leave here with just, oh, that was a cool story. Let's think about how this applies to you and me today. Starting with this one. As clearly as I can say this, it's no accident where we're going through this thought of looking to Jesus and that you're here today. And I don't want to take for granted that every single person sitting here today is a follower of Christ who's placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So I, I need to ask this question. Have you partaken of the bread of life. In this passage, partaken of and believed in are synonymous. Right? In fact, let me show you this. Verse 29, if you just look on the back of your page, it says this. Jesus answers him, them, this is the work of God that you what? Believe in him whom he has sent. Okay, yes, we just talked about God. The Father drawing, setting the table, providing the, fee- the, the meal. But it doesn't discount the responsibility of you and me to place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. This is the calling of every human being. Call on Jesus to be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Just because we understand there's a God who is working His sovereign plan does not negate the fact that you are called right now to place your faith in this God. That is the clear calling of the Scriptures. Okay, verse 40. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life. And I will raise Him up on the last day. Uh, Verse 47. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes, has eternal life. So have you put your faith and trust in the bread of life? This call is for you today. Will you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Have you stopped trying to find satisfaction in yourself and other people? And taken your mind, your thoughts, and tasted of the bread of life that will Never stop satisfying you? Have you placed your faith and trust in the only one who can bring true satisfaction? There's a number of here, I believe, that, that are being called right now. God, the Holy Spirit is drawing you to eternal life in Jesus Christ. Don't delay. Respond today.
As you, right, I mean, as God is drawing you, respond in faith, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, the Scripture says. But I know there's also here, accounted for here in this congregation, or logged in, tuned in, a multitude of people who have already placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Hey, we're not off the hook. All right? This passage is for us as well. The beauty of this entire metaphor is Jesus has provided eternal satisfaction to those who will never hunger again. But this thrills us so much that we can't help but enjoy this meal every single day of our lives. Every single day we appreciate how wonderful our Savior is, Jesus Christ. Christians, in the messed up world we live in, consider this. Has your appetite been temporarily deceived by a world that will never truly satisfy? The world around us is saying, this will feed you, and this will feed you, and this will feed you. You don't realize that all we're eating is cardboard. (laughs) We're not being satisfied. Let me ask you something. Are you filling your, your life with things that will not provide eternal satisfaction? Or are you regularly enjoying the bread of life? Today, would you take a fresh taste, as it were, of the bread of life? Brothers and sisters in Christ, As our faith is tested, as it is right now, the culture we live in, we must fix our eyes on the bread of life. God, that's our prayer today. So thankful for this passage. God, as I I read this, I think this is so beyond me. So beyond my capability to understand and comprehend and process. It is your almighty work. But it's not so beyond me that you haven't. Thank you for including me in this satisfaction, this meal. Thank you for this metaphor that continues on through the rest of scriptures and we see that one day from all kindreds and tribes and people and nation we will worship Jesus. There will be a beautiful supper. We will enjoy fellowship with with you almighty God and with the Son, the Lamb. Thank you. I pray today, Father, that we would understand how mighty you are to save. 